Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello, everyone. My name is Zhong, and welcome to Through the Noise Podcast. We are recording this on the 9th of February, which is also the Lunar New Year Eve. Today, every ethnic Chinese family will gather together and have the reunion dinner. Today also marks the start of the long holidays in China. The stock market will also take a break until 19th of February. After a disappointing year of the rabbit, despite several attempts by the authorities to bolster the markets. Speaking of which, this week we saw a few more of these supportive measures. To unpack these and more, I've got with me Manpreet Gill, our Chief Investment Officer for Africa, Middle East and Europe. Hello Manpreet, let's start with the latest stimulus measures from China's government. Do you think that marks the trough for Chinese equities? Hi, Jong. Uh, Thanks for having me on today. Um, Well, indeed, I think uh, last week we got uh, quite a range of supportive measures from policymakers in China. Uh, These, of course, included a a new uh, securities regulator head and more policy uh, purchases of China ETFs. And all of these have really helped to improve investor sentiment uh, and halt the fall in Chinese equities year to date, at least for now. Now, we expect a policy-driven rebound uh, in both China's onshore and offshore equity markets in the near term, uh, led, of course, by the state's purchase of A-shares through the Stock Connect program, and that, of course, coming against the backdrop of depressed valuations and light investor positioning. Now, from a sector perspective, we do believe that China's state-owned enterprises do look uh, increasingly attractive uh, because we've got policymakers' recent focus on improving market capitalization management uh, to, of course, support the sector's uh, you know, equity prices, um, especially in these uh, uncertain market conditions. Now, that short-term view said, uh, from a longer-term perspective, the one data point we believe is it's worth monitoring is the risk of prolonged deflationary pressures, because that risks limiting the prospect of medium to long-term upside in the market. Now, if we take China's consumer prices, they fell for the fourth month in January, uh, and also marked their steepest decline uh, since the 2008-2009 financial crisis. Uh, producer prices, of course, uh, might have beaten estimates, but they also remain in deflationary territory. So, we most probably will need a more forceful stimulus designed to revive domestic demand uh, and you know, enable that uh, positive feedback to consumption. Uh, that's most probably what we need to boost demand and sentiment on a more sustainable basis long term. Okay, so, so a rebound in the near term, but more is still required in the long run. How about the Asian higher bonds, right, of which China higher bonds account for a sizable chunk? Well, Asian US dollar high yield bonds have actually uh, done reasonably well this year. They deliver year-to-date returns of around 3%. Um, and that's meant also that they've outperformed uh, Asia dollar investment grade uh, by a similar amount. Now, what we're seeing from a policy support measure in China is undoubtedly you know, a key driver behind this. Uh, because if you add back Hong Kong and Macau, uh, Chinese high yield bonds account for uh, a little over a quarter of the asset class. Um, and I think what was particularly notable was that we got a rebound in China property sector bonds, uh, despite what still pretty weak contracted sales uh, in the sector. Uh, but of course, it's, it's been a broader rally than that. And we've seen uh, you know financials and industrials uh, rebound as well. Now, China, of course, was one driver, but 
uh, arguably non-China high-yield dollar bonds also had a, a significant role to play in this performance. Uh, some of that was due to um, issuer-specific developments, an example of that being um, you know, successful restructuring uh, in, in the Indian high-yield bond sector. Um, but I think we've also had much more limited Asia dollar high-yield bond supply. So that's helped to really improve the supply-demand balance uh, for the asset class. So from this point onwards, we could, we still expect Asia high-yield bonds to continue to outperform their investment-grade counterparts, uh, particularly against the backdrop of the monetary easing we expect later this year. Um, the one risk, of course, we continue to monitor is the risk of weaker uh, economic outlook and, of course, geopolitics um, and, you know, any ratings downgrades or defaults that are a result of that. Uh, so those are the risks, but, you know, uh, our core view, of course, is outperformance of high-yield over IG within Asia dollar. Let's talk about another Asian market which outperformed this week. MSCI Korea rose 4% week on week. What was the catalyst? Yeah, I think um, South Korean equities, um, you know, have, have sort of that performed as a result of a policy from the South Korean government, uh, the corporate value up program, whose goal is to improve stock market efficiency. Um, and some of this, of course, coming from a benchmark with uh, Japan's equity market, which has, of course, done very well uh, in the last 12 months, despite having some, some similar characteristics. Um, now, South Korea's program, uh, of course, aims to encourage companies with a price to book of less than one um, to help realize their value. Um, and, of course, there's the expansion of tax-free benefits uh, on the investor side in terms of the individual savings account. So, you know, those are the combination of measures we've seen uh, announced so far. Now, since we got this announcement, fund flows in equity markets have been positive. Uh, foreign investors have turned net buyers, and we've seen exposure broaden out from the semi uh, from the semiconductor industry alone to low price to book sectors such as banks, insurance, and auto, uh, which should be the key beneficiaries of this policy. Now. We believe it's important to remember that this policy is still in the draft stage um, and we need to obviously see how this translates into actual corporate actions. Um, and, you know, while we've seen recent momentum focusing on boosting low price to book sectors, uh, long term fundamentals, we think, will, will always dominate. So we think from an investor perspective, if, if, you're, if you're following a sector strategy, we continue to believe a focus on Attractive valuations, high profitability is is still equally important. And one great example of this is the auto sector, uh, where we see a high probability of outperforming the broader Korean market because we've got uh, robust sales volume and improving product miss uh, towards higher uh, value vehicles. And of course, we've got shareholder friendly policies such as share buybacks in 2023, uh, which of course is something that could gather momentum after this new uh, public policy measure. So overall, um, you know, um, we just think these measures are fresh tailwind, but we are overweight South Korean equities within Ajax Japan. So if anything, this, these measures sort of support that. Um, and just as a reminder, our overweight is driven by expectations that earnings estimates will continue to rebound. Uh, but a key driver of that uh, in South Korean equities being improving demand supply uh, in the semiconductor industry. That, of course, coming against uh, a backdrop of Korean equities that are priced at quite a significant valuation discount um, and arguably less direct exposure uh, to regional geopolitical risk. So so that's why pol recent policy measure is great, uh, but it's really just one more tailwind in why we're overweight the, overweight the market. Putting it Together, what do all these mean from a portfolio perspective, right? particularly for the Asia-Japan equity markets? Well, from a portfolio perspective, we think it, it's 
a lot of what we've seen sort of supports our asset allocation views uh, within Asia X Japan uh, equities. So this week, of course, was really about a revival in investor sentiment, but more of these triggers, of course, coming uh, through policymaker actions in North Asia, um, in China and Korea, as we discussed, uh, with the goal of reviving investor confidence um, and eventually with the goal of boosting equity market valuations. So if you step back and say, you know, Asia X Japan equity markets, as we just mentioned, South Korean equities, that remains our key overweight uh, and a preferred equity market in Asia. And we, we're of the view that the latest government proposals should help boost uh, valuations um, on, on this market. Uh, Chinese equities, of course, we continue to view as a core holding within Asian foundation allocations. Um, and we see a more tactical opportunity uh, in the state-owned enterprises sector um, as you know both sort of respond to the government's attempts to boost shareholder value. And finally, of course, um, Indian equities remain a core holding. Um, I mean, we've discussed a lot of this in, in previous weeks, particularly on the positive growth outlook, uh, but coming against a trade-off of more elevated valuations. So in foundation allocations within Asia, Japan equities, uh, those are really our views with South Korean equities, of course, uh, ranking highest. Thank you for the insightful discussion, Manpreet. I think all in all, the focus for this past week appears to be on Asian markets, be it equities or bonds. The revival in the investor sentiments bodes well for this region in terms of allocation, just to, I guess, repeat what Manpreet has have shared earlier on, China equities remain a core holding in our Asian foundation portfolio. We are overweight on South Korea equity markets and uh, the latest government proposal to prove valuation that helps to support our preference in, in South Korea equity markets. Um, and of course, not to forget Indian equities, uh, well, there, there aren't much of a, a, a development this week, but it still remains a core holding for us. Uh, and we like the and, and the positive growth outlook is something that we we, we favored in, in, and we have discussed about in previous weeks and months. So with that, uh, we'll close off this week's podcast. Thank you so much for listening uh, from start to end. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. For those listeners who are celebrating Lunar New Year, have a wonderful reunion with your family and a prosperous year of the dragon. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details, visit Market Views on the Go on our website or click the link in the description.